Director and flavored coffee fiend. Oh, what happened to your acid reflux? Uh, I'm just powering through it. Wow. I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and Tom Holland stan. How old is he? Look, don't ask questions like that. <laughs> this is Just Between Us, a podcast about brutal honesty, uh, uh, female friendship, and completely unsolicited advice. Why was I taken off guard? I don't know. I think I was just thinking about Tom Holland. Oh, I thought you just thought female friendship was so beautiful. I do, I do find it very beautiful. Tom Holland, I like to play a game called 22-year-old actor or 38-year-old lesbian. We'll never know. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, how are you? I'm okay. Um, How's your relationship going? Wow, that's an attack. What a turnaround! <laughs> oh! I don't think you've ever asked me that, ever. <laughs> Honestly, uh, my relationship is going very well. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, I wasn't feeling great last night, and he came over and was like, you know, brought brought Dayquil and cough mm-hmm. drops. And then this morning, he left early to go to the gym and then tucked me back into bed so I could get more rest. That's really sweet. Yeah. It's, it's really thrilling to be in a healthy relationship. Yeah. You feel different? Oh, yeah. It's also so easy. What do you mean? Like... I'm not worried. Hmm. I'm not anxious, and we don't fight. That do you think? What do you think your first your first fight will be about? We've had like little fights, and we've had like um, disagreements, and mm-hmm. like different worldviews on stuff. But it's never where I'm like, oh, oh my god, this guy, and then I like feel like I have to punish him or like pull away from him, and then like tell all my friends about the thing that he said. True. <laughs> yeah. True. You don't. You don't feel like suddenly unsafe. No. And it doesn't ever feel like, oh, no, this is something we can't work through or that this is going to, like, linger longer than, like, in that actual moment where we then resolve things. That's really great. Yeah. That's really lovely. I feel I feel hashtag blessed. My aunt met him and pretty immediately was like, oh, he reminds me of your dad. Yeah, that's <laughs> the vibe I also get. But you know what? Fuck it. My dad's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's way worse dads. And it's not like you haven't said that that's your goal since the beginning. You know, this didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, the one downside is he's equally obsessed with baseball. Oh, boy. I know. I'm gonna, I, I thought I escaped a, a life of listening to baseball on the radio and no. on the TV, but it just – that's not looking good for me, kids. What's his team? Pedro's? No. Padres. Padres. Jesus Christ, Allison. <laughs> Oh, wow. Is he going to hear this? I've made that mistake before. Yeah, he's going to. Well, all right. He said he'd come on here. Really? I thought 100% he would never come on the podcast. And then he was like, well, you've never asked me. Wow. I know. My ex-girlfriend didn't want to come on. Uh, Well, she was. She was afraid of you. I don't want to get into all of that. Okay, but she was. And my thoughts about how she lied about everything. Fine, but she was legitimately scared of you. As she should be. I don't think that's a lie. That she was scared of me? Yeah. Did she vocalize that to you? Yeah, that's why she didn't want to do the show. She's scared of you. What about me? She was afraid you were going to ask, well, tough questions. And that's the name of the segment, baby. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have a book called Please Send Help coming out. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, it's available everywhere July 16th. It's a sequel to our first book, I Hate Everyone But You. And a it's pistolary about, novel. Yeah, it's about two characters kind of based on ourselves going through um, the trials and tribulations of the first year after college. Yeah, and um, get it just to hear the twist that Allison came up with that I love. And I like- also to support us. Well, absolutely to support and us. If you Come love, on, guys. And if you love love or books. Yeah, I mean, Allison loves books. I'm sure there's people out there who really love books. Get a book, you know? If you don't even read that much, why don't you get it on um, an audio book? We read the audio book. Yeah, you can listen to us Get talk the audio book. And, and that'll feel like the podcast, but fiction. And never has better marketing been said. <laughs> this week, we've got a wonderful episode where we'll be talking to everyone's favorite VJ, Dave Holmes. Nice. Later, we'll be talking about self-identity and topics. How important is it? What happens if it changes? We'll find out. But first, hit it. International question. International question. International question. Cole. Rural North Carolina. 
I like that. Rural North Carolina. Okay. I'm, I'm, I appreciate making it more specific. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because half of my advice was going to be, well, when you're in the big city. Oh, is it? <laughs> no. Is that, yeah. We like to talk about how big city ladies we are. Yeah, and what to do uh, in, in the metropolitan area. Large pops, urban ladies. <laughs> I love that a lot of the listeners will be like, here's all the details, and then here's the summary, because they know what I like and what I appreciate. Uh-huh. So Cole's summary is, is it awful to ask my fiance to open our relationship since she is no longer interested in sex? Uh, it's not awful. Right. But let, should we give some more background? Yeah, if you want. About two years ago, my partner's sex drive began to decline. For reference, I'm 26 and she is 31. Due to medical concern, she underwent a hysterectomy surgery. Since then, sex has become less frequent and feels more like an obligation. Recently, we have gone months without having sex, and when we do, it is brief and one-sided, with her making me feel as if I'm forcing her to do so. She has said repeatedly that she doesn't want to have sex, giving or receiving, and doesn't even want to make out. She is the love of my life, and we have two children together. I don't want to lose her, but sex is very important to me. I therefore asked if she would be willing to open our relationship and allow me to have sex with other people. I assured her it was only for physical reasons, no dates or feelings, and I'd get tested regularly. She agreed but has been extremely reluctant and seems upset with me at all times. She frequently gets very angry and takes it out on me. I wonder if she didn't actually want to agree but did so anyway. Am I a monster for making the request? No, you are not a monster at all. Dan Savage, if you don't know, Cole has a lot to say about this, so you should um, look him up. You went into this relationship with certain expectations. Those have changed. The, the, The contract has changed of the relationship. So if you're not a monster, I think it's actually pretty, like, rude and selfish to to be like, I'm going to deny you this thing. Even making out, even, like, physical touch, might, which might be Cole's love language. Like, to deny this person this, this thing that they feel, like, is it part of their human drive. And then to take it out on them when they request it and be mean to them about it that's that's not okay. That's not a, a, a being attuned to your partner's needs. I like that you said contract, and I think you're right. It's like she's renegotiating her side of it, but then is upset that you're renegotiating theirs. Absolutely. Uh, you're, she's upset that you're renegotiating your side. Like, I mean, I understand people are monogamous, but she's putting you in a position that you didn't think you were going to be in. I was reading something about how Jada Pinkett Smith doesn't really refer to her relationship with Will Smith anymore as a marriage, but as a life partnership. Sure. And I wonder if there is something to that with your situation. Yeah. Where, you know, potentially, if you're not going to be romantic or sexual with each other anymore. You raise the kids together. You raise the kids together, but, like, you're allowed to have a romantic love in your life and physical love in your life. Absolutely. That is something that you are entitled to, and I don't back down on that. And I think that there's a lot of different families and it's so tough, right? Because like you feel like you should always be there for your partner and that's what you signed up for. But I always say like I've signed up for this version of you. It's two-sided, right? Like or like I've signed up for the version of you that presented when we got together. And yeah. if you were – if you as a person – completely change I in a way that affects in a way you. that affects our relationship yeah and my needs then I can't you know that's a different we're in a different relationship that I didn't sign up for and honestly if if you didn't have the kids I would say to get out of there absolutely it's a, it, you have these kids you know it's it's probably like something you love you know like you're probably like this has made me like a whatever people say about kids but, <laughs> <laughs> but like if you didn't have them, I would be like, you got to get out of there because also, and you got to be in therapy. First of all, you got to go to you therapy need to together go to therapy now, to get, now, yes. now, now, yesterday. <laughs> but I, and I, if she pushes back and says she won't go to therapy, it's really interesting because a lot of times you're like, well, I'm the one asking for the change. So I'm the one that are, is messing things up, but you have to like, look at what the other person is doing. And, They've messed and, it up. Right, and them saying they won't go to therapy is them pushing you away. Absolutely. It's not you leaving. It's them pushing you away. You're being pushed away right now. Yes. Like, you're being, like, if she won't engage with this on you, if she's being upset with you, if she's, re- like, taking this out on you and being angry and resentful towards you, that's not fair to you. Like, you got to take care of number one. 
And like, I mean, and you're, but the eh, the kids, like the goddamn kids, the kids, which is like, you know, also your number one. But also, kids can pick up on when their parents aren't getting along. Oh, the household energy is probably so off. I can't imagine that they haven't realized that she's lashed out at you. I think it's detrimental to say that she's the love of your life. Oh, because it doesn't allow you any room. It doesn't let you, you can't imagine a version of your life without her. Like, relationships change. Like, this could very much become, like, your First partner. First marriage, whatever. Or, you, you know, like, your best friend, your co-parent. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they need to become your spouse. And or be I, your and romantic. the fact that you guys have two kids and are engaged but not married, that says something. Really? Why aren't you already married? What is the holdup there? I mean, it could be financial, but then you also have kids. But then the kids could have been accidents. We don't know the story. Some people don't want to get married, so that's fine. Yeah. But if you're fiancéed, that means that the goal is marriage. But then why haven't we met that goal? Like, I think there is a lot going on Something in this relationship that, like, you... we need to explore. And I think that you need to open up your mind to the possibility that this might not be your romantic partner forever. Absolutely. Obviously, like, gentle co-parenting, like, co-parenting that puts the kids first. And also you acting like, also, I know that you're trying to be considerate and you're trying to be compassionate. So I'm sure that you're reassuring your partner all the time that you're not going to leave no matter what. That's a dangerous thing to do. You should never tell your partner that you're not going to leave no matter what. Yeah, Cole, you calling yourself a monster makes me so sad. Like, you're you're allowed to leave. If someone oh. is not upholding <clears throat> their end of the bargain, you can leave. And, and you should never feel indebted eternally yeah. to your partner. You're 26. Like, you have so much life to live. Like, you, I really am sad that you think that, that wanting things for yourself makes you a monster. And I really don't like that she's mean to you. Absolutely. That's bullshit. And she's got to work on herself. Yeah, and I, I also think... That I don't think you should be punished for for going outside the marriage if if she, or the relationship if she has said it's okay. Like you can only take people at their word. So like if she's not going to vocalize exactly why she's upset, then it's like. But I mean, sometimes it's obvious. It is. Lying to I you. know it is obvious. But then why is she lying? Stop lying. I just don't think it's a bad thing. Like if this was like an ideal situation, it would be like that. She would be like, oh my god, of course. Like I'm not able to provide this thing. Well, I so get, let me give it to I you. I get why it's not, of course. I mean, you're a polyamorous person, so this is very easy yeah. for you. For me, this is a horrifying situation. Like, if I found myself in this situation, I would be terrified if I was her. I would be so scared I was going to lose them. I It would make me feel yucky and icky that they were going to go sleep with other people. Yeah. Like, I totally get where she's coming from. But also, you're a separate person with your old wants and needs. And I think you also need to think about... Why Why is this person the love of your life? What are they bringing to the table? What are they bringing yeah. to the relationship if they're not even treating you well? Yeah, exactly. And you can't, you have to go on, you always say you have to go on the rela- on the relationship that's happening right now. Yeah, I don't care how rom- she treated you five years ago. You cannot go on the, the, you cannot romanticize the past. You cannot try to hope for the past to come back. You have to say every day, do I want to be in this relationship based on what is happening right now? I will say that if the person is going through a tough time but wants to get better, then you wait that out. Yeah. You know, like if this, if your partner is like, I don't know what's going on with me. I need to be in therapy. I need to figure this out. Like I need to get used to my new body. You know, like if you're in a committed partnership, there is a, there is a period where you are there for them and you're, you know, but. Yeah, but they have person, to be willing to do their part. They have to put the work in and they can't shut you out. They can't punish you for what they're going through. Yes. And so you have to kind of like sit down and really think about how this person is treating you. And is, is that what you want? Yeah, exactly. I I don't – I mean, I just don't think you need to decide, like, at 26, like, this is what my life is. It's different because you have kids. I know. So, but, you know – And I also don't – I'm sure it's not great for you as a kind person to feel like you're forcing someone to have sex with you. Like, it's not good for her. It's not good for you. It's so toxic. I'm sure it also has to do with how other people are perceiving the relationship. Because if, let's say, her health her health problems are sort of well-known within your family or your friends, and then suddenly you're the asshole who's leaving this woman who just had to have her uterus taken out. Yeah. Like, I can see, like, where this judgment of yourself is coming from. Yeah. But only you know what your relationship is like. Yes. And so, sure, 
She could sit down and say to her friend, I got sick. I'm not interested in sex right now. And he wants to fuck other women. And then I and then I wasn't comfortable with that. So he left me. You know, like everyone has their own spin to a story. Yeah. But the reality and you know what your truth is, is I was there for my partner during health concerns. Uh-huh. I tried to make the relationship work. I tried to look for options. They never did anything to work on themselves. They were mean to me. And they, they pushed me away. And so yes. I ultimately, for the sake of myself and for our children who would who probably want to be in a non-toxic environment, I left. So this is the interesting thing is that for a long time, so my dad was an alcoholic and addict when I was growing up. And my mom, I, for a long, it would kind of be like, we're going to leave. Okay, we're not going to leave. And for a long time, I was like, this is so great that she stuck this out. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and then, but then I had an ex-boyfriend who pointed out, no, she had two kids in that house right. and she stayed. And I don't blame her because obviously you make whatever decision is it, you make and everyone turned out mostly fine. But like, it, it's this thing where like she, if she was really trying to put the kids first, possibly she would have left. And so that's maybe what you have to do. Like, the real thing isn't staying together for the kids. The real thing is to get them out of the the environment that isn't going well. And also, I know that you probably think that me staying is the best thing for her. But that might not be true. Yeah. It might not be the best thing for either one of you. It could, like, force her to get help. Exactly. And at this point... She might be so resentful or contemptuous of you because you want to go outside of the marriage physically. That yeah. like that's it's really difficult to recover from contempt. Yeah. That is like one of the main reasons that people get divorced. Exactly. I mean, you just can't um you just can't like make yourself second fiddle. For 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 the whole for and it's expected to be for the whole relationship. If she was like, "Here's my timeline. I'll have sex in a month, and then I'll right. go back to normal." Or like someone, maybe someone going through chemo. They're not going to feel like themselves. They're not going to have the same sure. sex drive. But you know that hopefully that's a limited amount of time. Yeah. But if she said to you that she never wants to have sex I again, know. you know you got like again, take her at her word. Like, what does that life look like for you? We love you, Cole. We love you, Cole. Stay <laughs> strong. You're not a monster. If you want to submit your international question, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenus, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Stick around for our juicy interview with Dave Holmes. Just between us. Hey! Just between Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough Questions. Hello, guest Dave Holmes. Hi. How, how was my intro as a professional? I mean, honestly, I got, I'm I'm juiced up inside. <laughs> I really am. Thank you so much. I feel That's like big great. things are coming. It was very Michael, uh, what's his name, who says, let's get ready to rumble. Wow. Oh, I should do like really go like, welcome back to. That's that exactly what you did perfect. just yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when people ask you what do you do what do you say fuck uh i lately i just say writer oh okay because of that's, the books and stuff yeah and because mm-hmm. esquire and that's that is what mm-hmm. i do most mm-hmm. now yeah um podcaster doesn't seem right i mean i know we're radio <sighs> wolf i know we're all have headphones and mics and stuff well if but, i met someone and they said they were a podcaster i'd be like okay yeah yeah that's <laughs> like that terrible? hobbyist <laughs> But yeah, no, it's true. And it is, I think it's the problem in my career is that I can't succinctly say what it is that I do. I feel that way too. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I, I like saying writer. That's what I say too. Yeah. Uh, because to me, that's the hardest thing that I do. Yeah. And it's like in my soul, what I identify as. Right. And that's then, what I wanted to be when I grew up. Yeah, me too. exactly. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And I look at like, us now. Yeah. We're podcasting. We can say it, but we can say that we're writers and yeah. we're not lying. I know. It's beautiful. Explain what your book is. Uh, well, I did a memoir. It's kind of stories from my life, but uh, based around the songs of the, like the music of my life. I'm a big music nerd, so I kind of Aww. organized everything by by song and era and whatever. And there there were some um, like the Random House legal department had a call with me about a couple things that I said. Really, that could have gotten us all into terrible trouble. Like with what? real names. Um, no, but names that could be uncovered with. Very little detective work. Got it. And one with real, with one real famous name. There's a whole chunk of a story about a famous person that I had to lose completely. Really? Yeah. Did you? Did you have to? um, Because there was a whole thing with Moby's book. Did you have to like check with the famous people or check with no anyone's publicist? No. They just were like lose it. 
Yes. <laughs> I had one thing that got had to get taken out because I was talking about a place I worked and I said uh, that everyone there was on cocaine oh. and they had to, yeah. <laughs> they took it out. It is. That's the thing. Things like that. Like yeah. fun things. Yeah. Fun little jokey it's jokes. what? They could claim slander? Yeah. But yeah. you know what? Everyone there was on cocaine. So. Yeah. I've only seen cocaine once in my life. Where? Really? I was in a, a dorm room, I think, at college, and someone, like, held up a little baggie. But somehow I've managed to never see it since. Wow. Good for you. Thank yeah. you. And it's weird because I pee a lot. I'm in <laughs> bathrooms all the time. <laughs> okay. And that seems I had to no be, idea what you meant. That seems to be where the action happens. I oh, guess it is. my God. <laughs> uh, I don't have a graceful transition for this, but yeah. um, you have type 1 diabetes. Yes, I do. And uh, when did you find out about that? I found out about it actually in adulthood. Really? Yeah. Um, like half of cases are diagnosed by age 13 and the other half could be up to your 80s and 90s. But you've had it your whole life. It just wasn't diagnosed? No. Or is it- no. I guess I had the antibody my entire life. Okay. But it, it didn't, It didn't. you know, like the, my body didn't start falling apart until <laughs> until my mid-30s. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, it was actually, it was five days after the first time I did the New York City Marathon. Oh my god! Oh, so you're I went like to a feeling checkup. so healthy. I was feeling so healthy, but my uh, my like what's called an A1C, which is like a, a measure of, of blood glucose levels over a long period of time, was elevated, and and I thought maybe it was because of all the ups and downs of training right. and like the sugar, you know, the gels mm-hmm. and shit that you have to take to keep your energy up and whatever. So I was like, oh, maybe that's it, whatever. My doctor was like, well, you're an adult and your sugar level is high, so it's type two, which is okay. There's still a genetic component to that, but it is thought of more as a lifestyle-based kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it's people who are sedentary and whatever, which I yeah. was not and am not. So I was like, well, this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to, whatever. So I took medication for it for like eight years and nothing oh, really- boy. Now, here's the thing. There's something called a honeymoon period where okay. uh, in type 1 diabetes, where your pancreas is kind of working still. Okay. It's, it's compromised, but it's still working. You still have to goose it a little bit, but it's working. Um, so I basically spent that entire period on medication for a condition I didn't have. It's that, oh. it's that different. It's that different. Yeah. Um, so, oh boy. so yeah, so I was kind of not super, like I was, had elevated glucose levels for a long time. And then I guess in 2015, um, everything fell apart within like two months. I got, I got like, I lost a ton of weight. I was like pissing constantly. I was drinking water constantly. I was like, I had no energy. It's like, something's not right. What was so, it like for those eight years? Were you relatively I was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I felt okay. Uh, I will say the, uh, the, the medication is called metformin and it made me really sick. Like once a month I would, it would immediately it would be like, I have to throw up. And like really? sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes <sighs> in the middle of the day, sometimes in the, like I'm, you know, at a lunch meeting or whatever, excuse me. And it, like the worst, <sighs> most violent vomit of and all time. And you knew it was from the medication? I had never had that before or since. Yeah. So yeah. That's So then what is the, the breakdown but... looks like you're losing weight. You're... Yeah. So, uh, so I was like, you know what, this is, something's not right. So I went to a specialist. I went mm-hmm. to what's called an endocrinologist who studies hormone levels and, and typically specializes in, in, uh, type one diabetes, um, and had a full bunch of tests run and it was just type one misdiagnosed. So I could have been on insulin and monitoring my situation better during those, mm-hmm. whatever it was, eight years that I was five day a year, whatever, uh, that it was on metformin, but I didn't. And I'm, I caught it in time. Like there's no permanent damage. My kidneys yeah, are fine. Right. My feet are fine. My eyes are fine. Everything's okay. Um, but now I'm on insulin. Do you think it was like that specific doctor? And if you'd gotten a second opinion Maybe. or it was just like the way Maybe. your body yeah, was showing I kind of just trusted him, Yeah, you know? And the thing is, no matter what happened, I would end up insulin dependent anyway. Totally. Like I, I have, yeah, I have type just... one. So I would have it would have happened. And what does that look like on a daily basis? Well, it looks like me jabbing myself with needles all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two different kinds of insulin that you have to take. There's one that you take every day. It's called uh, like a basal insulin. So mm-hmm. if you see ads for uh, – I'm, I'm on Traceba. So Traceba ready. <laughs> Type 2 people can also take it. It's, it's a basal insulin. Yeah. Um, and that releases itself slowly throughout the day. Okay. Uh, to sort of mimic – proper uh, pancreas functioning. Mm-hmm. And then before every meal, I have to do what's called a bolus, which is a short-term, uh, a short-acting insulin that takes, it starts to take effect after about 30 to 45 minutes and it stays in your body for about four hours. So a little bit before, like a half hour or so before I'm 
before I eat, I have to sort of estimate the carb count of what I'm going to eat and oh, give wow. my so and I, and my my ratio is like one to ten, one to twelve, like one unit per ten to twelve grams of carbohydrate. So you have to have eat. a very regimented. It's a mathy situation, yeah. I, and oh. I do. I have to be somewhat disciplined in what I eat. I can yeah. eat anything I want. If I want to have sheet cake for dinner, I can do that. I just have to give myself enough insulin to cover. Okay. And because I do have to do all that shit, I'm never going to have sheet cake for right. dinner. Because, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So like those little binges that I might want to give myself, I do from time to time. But every now and then, it's like I want to go to In and Out, but then I have to give myself like eight to ten units. And if I and if I do it wrong. Like if, if, if I exercise that day and I'm more insulin sensitive and that means that, you know, nine units is two units too many, then a couple hours after I eat, then I crash Mm. and I like, I could pass out. Like I, I, I'm like going through my house for candy and juice and things. Like I have to stock my house with sweet tarts and orange juice just in case. One of our, one of our, uh, used to be director of photography on our sketch stuff was had a, a fanny pack full of Skittles. Really? And would just reason? like, yeah, it would just be popping those. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think that's not uncommon. Was that a, re- a big difference from your lifestyle before? Uh, it just, no, I, I'm able to live exactly the way that I want to live. The the areas obviously are food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I still, I'm still, you know, I still fuck around. Yeah, I was, yeah. I will still, I had Shake Shack for dinner the other night and it was fucking delicious. <laughs> right. It was worth it. Um, and then exercise because exercise and insulin can often work together and make you go lower than they would separately. Uh, exercise makes your blood sugar drop and insulin yeah, makes so you your blood sugar Yeah, so you can't over-exercise? No, I can over-exercise, but again, I have to bring, like I have like gels in my pocket just in case I go low right now. Oh, wow. Um, I have- and a toasted you... marshmallow gel. <laughs> and you just pop it? Just pop it in the mouth. Yeah. And you're – so are you like kind of super in tune with your body now or you I can kind tell of, when that's happening? Yeah. I'm able to see it coming. Well, that must have been a learning curve though to figure out Definitely. what the symptoms were and everything. Definitely. I got really – like now, looking back, I can see that I was living inside a panic attack for about a year. Oh, because, yeah. Because, you know, because like I – okay, so this thing on my arm is a glucose monitor. It mm-hmm. talks to my phone and lets me know where I am. I'm exactly where I should be right now. But if I were to go for a long run, I would begin to drop. So – and then – so any anytime it told me I was dropping, I was like, oh, I'm going to die. Oh, you know? yeah. And if I was like higher than I wanted to be, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, they're going to cut my feet off. It's not. It's not that bad. So – uh, my doctor was like, find a community, go out and meet other adult type ones. Yeah. So I did. And I, I found like a type one running group wow. and I have like a, a good inner circle of friends mm-hmm. and we like, we will go for long runs and hikes together and people bring, you know, if, if never... you don't have a juice, someone will have a juice for you. <laughs> you know, it's nice. I would never think that that's the type of thing someone would be like, go find a community for, but it makes so much sense. So a lot of people sense. with yeah. chronic illness, they have to find like a community because yeah. it's hard to be understood by other people. Yes. People might just like assholes might just be like, Dave's so high maintenance. Totally. How did your um, boyfriend handle the diagnosis? He was uh, he was a star. Really? Yeah, he was. Because that can be really scary when your partner be. gets diagnosed with something you know that's going to change their lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I don't think he ever worried. I'm very, I'm, I'm type A with this kind yeah. of thing. So I'm not. Yeah, I don't. You're think not someone who's going to be irresponsible no. about. No, you know, and here's a weird thing. I I, I wrote about it uh, a couple of years ago. And after I did, like, two different people from from different areas of my life mm-hmm. independently reached out to me and were just, like, same exact story. Mm-hmm. Like, both really active, both in their early 40s, uh, came out of nowhere for both of them. And, and also right around the same time as I was diagnosed. Yeah. So I said the same thing to both of them. I was like, find a community. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're both in New York. I was like, just find, find people. Yeah. And they're like, eh, I don't think so. Which I immediately – one of my doctors said it. And I was like, eh, I don't think so. Um, but then I tricked them. I took them both out to dinner <laughs> yes. uh, when I was there a couple, couple years ago. I was going to say that. And, uh, and they knew it was happening. But like halfway through the dinner, they started asking each other questions. Yeah. You know, the, the meal came and it was like, so, you know, how many grand, like, what are you going to do for that? And all that kind of, and then, and now they're tight, which is, makes me very happy. You mm-hmm. do need that kind of thing. So if you have to get tricked into it, then, then that's what's up. But you need it. You do need a community. I also just think that it's like, you know, you grow up, you know what you know what diabetes is in theory, but like right. no idea what it's actually like for the person, the difference between right. type one, type two, like right. how yeah. like I had no idea that you yourself had to like guess how much 
insulin yeah. to use. Like that part seems so scary and overwhelming to it me. It is. It is. And you know what's really weird is that like one of the guys in this running group is in his 60s now. Mm-hmm. He's had it since he was, you know, three or four years old. Oh, wow. And he's been an athlete forever. Like he, he does marathons and shit and always has. So, but like when he, in those early days, it was just like, he would just have some insulin. So he'd right. just jab himself with some insulin and then eat for the some food. Ah. And sometimes he'd be right and sometimes he'd be wrong. Like I am like to the to the tenth of a unit, I'm I try to dial it in. Yeah. Because I can. But, I mean, but he couldn't th- and you like know. technology's probably changed oh, it a lot. Absolutely but is. that you're saying it's connected to your phone. Yeah. Like yeah. that must make it a lot easier. So much easier. Yeah, I'd be dead. <laughs> like 50 <laughs> years ago, there's no question. Right? Um, 100 years ago, we'd all be dead. I feel like I would not be able to handle it. Because, like, yeah, you you're would. already very type A. And I'm, like, so garbagey. I'm not good you with would. food, though. That's really difficult for me. I'm you think really you would bad just at... adapt? Yeah, I think you have to just learn how to do it, yeah, right? Because you die if you don't. Yeah. Like, it's it's a real thing. Like, you will die if you don't. If you don't take it seriously, you'll fucking die. Yeah. And, and you will learn really quickly... Like you'll fuck up initially. Uh-huh. I fucked up initially, and I know what it feels like to nearly pass out yeah. from it. And I don't ever want to have that feeling again. I that, just don't ever want to have that feeling again. So, yeah, I've heard people say like, "Oh, I couldn't stick myself with a needle." Yeah, you fucking could. I don't love it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't love putting needles in my body all day long. Yeah. Nobody does. It's Do you alter- fucking crazy. You alternate what part of your body? No, they're, they're generally in the midsection. Sometimes okay. in the booty. Yeah. Um, I've heard that if you if you jab it into a muscle, like your, your thigh, leg, uh, then it acts more quickly, but I'm afraid to do that. That's shitty. That seems shitty. Do you have tattoos? No. Oh, so you're not even like you're any not needles. even a needle guy. You're not even a needle no. guy. No. Well, like, so how do you, when you go out and do sporty things and uh-huh. then you write about having diabetes one, do uh-huh. you feel like it's like the representation is important to I like do. show people that they can, they can do it? I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. I think it yeah, I think it's so 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 important because I knew I needed to hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I made a point of not only like having a community but also like researching who the diabetic athletes are yes. and trying oh, to meet wow. as many as I could. You know, That's like if awesome. they were down to like meet me for coffee, then I would meet them for coffee. J- and and it's truly just to be like you have this in your life. Mhm. That just that makes you feel so much better, and you're still living the lifestyle you want to live. Absolutely, like you're still an yeah. athlete. You're still yeah. And honestly, okay, here's a here's a here's a, a grand statement. Okay, I'm ready. I think it made me a better gay person. Go on, tell us because, more. Because like I really res- when I came out, I, I grew up in a, in a very conservative part of like of suburban St. Louis. Okay, and and I knew I was gay from an early age, and I. And I wasn't bothered by it, but like the the like the idea of like living in a gay community was almost more frightening to me than like being a gay person. That's very relatable. You know yes. what I mean? Why? Um, or being thought of as gay or whatever. Just any of you know, it was a fine line. Like when I saw obviously gay adults, I was thrilled, but then also a little like, wary. well, I can't live that so life. So I would, so wary, so like, sometimes I would get mad. Yeah. Out of like, I think jealousy. Yes. But it was always like this thing of like, well, I'm not going to be like a, a stereotypical gay person. Like Thank I'm not going to be a gay person. Yes. I didn't want to get made fun of by straight people. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you laugh, but that's a real concern because yeah. most fucking people are straight people. Yeah. Nobody wants to be made fun of by most people. And I think a lot of straight people would come at me and they'd be like, and forgive my use of this word maybe, but uh, they would be like, they'd be like, yeah, well, you're like, you know, you're queer, but you're not like a dyke. Yes. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm not yeah. a dyke. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got, what if I was? Who cares? I got that for a long time and I was proud of it. And I it yeah, makes me, me sick that I was as proud of it as I was. Yeah. But I also like- I understand and forgive it also because of where I did grow up and like mm-hmm. and the fact that homophobia is the subtext of 90% of the way of the way people relate to each other mm-hmm. and the other 10% it's text yeah. it's just it's out, it's fucking out there. Yeah. So I get that it was self-preservation but like the first few times I would go to gay bars I would see them and I would hear the music and I would see the way that people related to each other and I was like this isn't 100% me so it sucks yeah Yeah. and I resisted it and I never I didn't take advantage of that community Mm -hmm. when I was young and I really needed it Mm -hmm. and that that's a regret of mine yeah going to like a meetup.com meetup thing for like type 1 diabetics in adulthood (laughs) 
I was equally nervous because I was like, I know that the that I am the same as these people. Mm-hmm. And then I showed up and some were like, some, you know, like somebody was like a Will Bolas for brunch t-shirt on, you know, real <laughs> into it. And others were just kind of like there and like yeah. there to give support or whatever. And I was like, we all have the same thing, but we aren't each other and we don't need to be each other and we don't define each other. Mm-hmm. The What we are here to do is be, is like, be friends. Mm-hmm. Like, a support system. Yes. Ask questions, answer questions, help each other stay alive. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It doesn't, yeah. you don't, you don't, it doesn't make me a different kind of person, mm-hmm. you know? That is very gay. <laughs> it's pretty gay, but it's also like, I was able to, I think, kind of. Take that to, into. Yeah. Take that shift to like, to gayness as well like where it's a you're not all the same we're not all the same you know and 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 like the 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 stereotypically gay shit about myself Mm. that i taught myself to hate is fucking great (laughs) you know what i mean it's yeah it's it's i'm glad i have those things Mm -hmm. you know i am learning to love those things yeah i feel that way it takes time i feel like you shouldn't necessarily regret that Growing up, you were like that because I think that there's so much like power in, in re- changing when you're older. Yeah, you know because then you you appreciate that stuff so much more and like you can you can see how you used to think and like really value how you think now. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's some yeah. beauty to that. I think so. I hope so. Aww. Speaking of beauty, oh boy, oh. wanna play our game show? I'd love to. <laughs> Um, <sighs> our game show is called Hypotheticals. Ooh. I'm going to give you a scenario, and you're okay. going to say what you would do in that scenario. Oh boy, you won't win. I also don't know them, so I'm. I'm. We're on like Gabby a team. Gabby is playing oh, okay. as well. Okay. Uh, and and you're never going to win. Oh, there's twists and turns. Okay. I don't know. Sometimes you could win. Well, I haven't thus far. <laughs> That's true. So so the first game within the game mm-hmm. is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Okay. Okay. Great. I just want to say that I wrote 15 hypotheticals and then told the producers to break them up into episodes. Yeah. So I didn't pick any of these specifically for you. Okay. Your partner has never heard of a glory hole. Uh (laughs) And and therefore (laughs) finds themselves in an unexpected but not unappealing situation while stopping to pee at a gas station. Yes. Would you stay with this very sheltered cheater? Yes. But you have to understand that in this scenario, you're in a monogamous relationship. Okay. So there is lying happening. There is is cheating happening. Oh, well, then how do I find out? Uh, They come out and they go, whoa, have you ever stuck your dick in a hole? (laughs) Yes. Wait, so you're outside waiting in the car? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then, and then, okay, well, I guess if they didn't know it was coming, and then they kind of were like, okay, well, I'm not going to, like, stop this, I'm I don't sorry. know. I want to hear the story. Yeah. Yes, I would. I yeah. absolutely would. I feel like that's, because it's not like they went after a specific person. There's it's not no like, emotional know, element. Yeah, yeah they don't even know what the person looks like. They're chasing an experience. Yeah. It's, like, good for them. I feel like, uh, okay, I feel like I would stay with this cheater. Yeah, I would. And would you maybe go back to that bathroom on a date? Oh, together? that's no. sweet. No. 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 Okay. You, that's but a you solo would... activity. Well, I mean, it's obviously a pair's activity, but... Yeah, someone's there and someone's there. Someone's there and someone's there. Yeah. yeah. Or you or you say you wait in the car and I'm going in. No. You're just like, we got Because then it's not leaving. a surprise anymore. True, 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 true. What, true. If, they, what if they want to keep going to glory holes? Okay. That's still okay? Then, no, then you have a real relationship talk. talk. What is, what's happening here? All right. Well, good thing because he was the better driver. And so So it's good you stayed together because now you had to, they get to drive you to different gas stations. Oh, okay. Because if you, if you had left them, you would have been stranded at the gas station. Yeah, you would have had to drive yourself places. So we made a good decision. You made the right decision. Oh my God, we've never won before. You won the game. We won this particular game. Oh my God. This has never, this is unprecedented. Wow. I know. Not a single whammy. This has never happened. Get ready to lose in our next game. Oh. Are you an asshole? Oh. Here we go. Are you an asshole? Yes. Your best friend in the entire world posts way too many stories on Instagram, so you mute them. Because of this, you don't notice when they have been kidnapped and are (laughs) posting from inside their kidnapper's car trunk. They use the code word only you know for real danger, (laughs) Tofurky, but you never see it and they disappear without a trace once their battery dies. Are you an asshole? Yeah. No. 
What? Oh, conflict. No. Why are you not? Why? 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 What's your reason? Uh, because you got it. You got to be sparing with those fucking Instagram stories. <laughs> Listen, friendship is friendship, but I mean, I've yeah, there. Are, there I don't watch are people all your in my inner Instagram circle stories. Who are I don't muted. think that you do. Uh, also, like if you ha- if you're able to do an Instagram story, you can also call nine one one. Right. I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. I'll be. I'll be fair, and I say I didn't think of that either. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really didn't. Um, you know, I look in this scenario. (laughs) What happened was, uh, the police don't believe you because your best friend is is a well known prankster on the internet. Oh, okay. And they have staged. So it's a TJ Miller kind of a situation. Yeah. So they have staged like multiple like kidnappings, and that's why it was so important for you to have heard the word Tofurky. Ah, but you didn't. I am even less of an asshole knowing this. Because they're a prankster and they suck? A kidnapping prankster. Nobody oh, needs Oh, because they're doing kidnapping pranks and that's not okay. That's not okay. I've heard a lot of true crime stories where people die from that. Yeah. Okay. By well, the way, the world is better off without my best friend in this scenario. That might be true. But I, also- I feel bad. Now, I think I'm maybe not. I think there's I'm, some asshole-ishness. I, I will deliver the eulogy at that person's funeral <laughs> with a clear conscience. You know what? You don't get to because the kidnappers are coming for you next. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> oh Our my God. final game. Yes? Is this person an alien or just rude? Okay. While on a walk, a stranger asks you the time. Yeah. When you go to look at your phone, they insist you read from their pocket watch instead. Apparently, it's the only time that can be trusted, and the numbers are too small for them to read. Is this person an alien or just rude? Oh, my God. Alien. Alien. We think immediately alien? Yeah. Well, or time traveler. Ooh, is time traveler an option? It's time traveler. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Am I getting better You're at these? You're two for three, Gabby. Am wow. I getting better at these? I think maybe or I'm getting worse. <laughs> or I'm starting to be able to read your mind, which but is also, incredible. A time traveler who doesn't know what is the top of the watch? True. No, the they have terrible um they have terrible vision. Mm. And so they can't they can't like physically read it, but they're on time traveler time. Okay. When we're, so, like, we said he couldn't read the numbers. <laughs> But it doesn't matter what the numbers are. In fact, a lot of watches don't even have numbers. They, they just trust you to know that when it's, it's tiny, this, tiny pocket watch. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's very small. Where um, wh- what time is he from that he doesn't have glasses? Um, the 1400s. Oh. Was that before glasses? I hope so. Uh, Did glasses come after watches? You know, no, no one he here picked, is educated. He picked, he picked. Okay. What happened was <laughs> he's hanging out in the 1400s. Another time traveler yeah. from a time when there was both pocket watches and glasses sure. comes. Yeah. But that guy gets killed. Oh. And so he has to take that guy's pocket watch and then complete his mission. I see. But the glasses aren't the right prescription, so he can't take that guy's glasses. <laughs> okay. okay. This, is, this is not part of what she wrote. This is just her justifying it to us now. It's just spinning out. Well, I think it all adds up if you really think about it. Okay. There's no holes here. Okay. Dave- Except wormholes for time traveling. <laughs> Touche. Dave, thank you so much for coming on thank our podcast. you. Where can we find you? On all the socials at Dave Holmes. Oh, that makes it easy. Yeah. I got in early. And, and, <laughs> and say where uh, your book. Oh, yeah. Party of One, a memoir and 21 songs. It's available where books are sold. We Amazing. love books. We love books. Yeah. Tune in after the break. We'll be discussing self-identity. How important is it and what happens if it changes? Not much. Well, okay. Now they won't listen. Oops. Just between us, it's time for topic X X X X X X X X Baby. Baby. Uh, this week, uh, I chose the topic self-identity. Yeah, so um what what is going on with your identity? Why did you choose this? I just ran out of topics. Allison, <laughs> but your identity has changed. Please go on. Tell me more about it. Tell the listener about it. Well, I don't think that my identity has changed in like the the broad sense of identities, like I, you know, I still identify as female and straight and Jewish, but, well, sort of Jewish. Culturally Jewish. Culturally Jewish. Yes, not mm-hmm. religiously Jewish. But, Absolutely. Um, I I don't know. One of, uh, one of, I've read one self-help book in my entire life. Untethered Soul? Yes, The Untethered Soul. 
And in it, there was something that was so helpful to me, which was that basically we have these ideas of who we are as people yeah. and we hold on to them and we're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm I'm the type of person who can never do this or I'm the type of oh. person who has to do that or I'm whatever. And the thing is, is none of that's true. <laughs> I get so embarrassed when I do anything outside of what I think of myself. Why? I don't know. I, I think I was so hard and fast with identity for so long um, that I I just get really, I don't know, I get embarrassed. Like, if I ever wanted to, I mean, it took a lot for me to even like, this is going to sound so silly, but it took a lot for me to even like start guitar lessons because I was like, well, I'm not a music person. Mm. And I just always said to myself, I'm not a music person. Right. But who what decided changed? that? Yeah, what made you want to do it? I was like, that's silly. To be like, I'm just not a person who plays an instrument and I never will be. Mm-hmm. Life is so long. Why am I deciding right now <laughs> that I'm never the person who played an instrument? What are the the top ways that you identify yourself to yourself? Uh, bisexual. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's huge for me. Uh, very and famous. For you, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and for you, the bi label is important to you. Like, whereas you don't, you don't say pansexual, even though that's maybe – potentially yeah. more accurate yeah i i think by i think by and pan are pretty much the same i know people will disagree with me but i don't care um and i because i don't i don't fall in the binary of of by anyway so whatever and that's not how it is is uh defined defined anymore so fight me um give, but, give some more info on that how do you not fall into that well because <clears throat> People were like, well, bi means the binary. So you only like men or women or people who fall within the binary, trans men or trans women, whatever. And that's not true. Obviously, I'm, I am I have dated and been attracted to non-binary people, people who like have all different genders. Um, and I, not even that, but like people that, you know, you have the capacity to fall in love with all different genders. So oftentimes I say I'm bi and then people go, no, you're not. You're, you're pansexual. And I'm like, one, you don't get to tell me how to identify. And two... Uh, it doesn't mean the binary anymore, and it never really did. Bi just means like that you're that you're open to people. It's two, right? So you're open to people that are like you and people that are unlike you, and that's it. Oh, I like I like the that way of thinking of it. But also, I think I really I, another identity that has changed is the polyamory versus non monogamy. Because mm-hmm. I used to identify as polyamorous. And that to me meant dating multiple people. Like seriously. full-blown relationships, yeah. Yeah. And now I feel more non-monogamous in that I would like to have a primary partner and then have other partner, like other people that I'm hooking up with, but not in a sense where everyone is on an even plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that to me is more like open relationship or, you know, non-monogamy. Um, you know, I, that's always evolving and flowing. I don't know what that looks like long term. Like, I don't know what that looks like. You know, I always envision it as like you you have a partner and then there's like other people that are in your life that are around or that are one night stands or whatever. Um, if you're in another city, you can call this person, but it's not like a serious relationship. Um, but that's different. Like polyamory is like, in my mind is like the friends that I have that all live together in a house in Portland and they like are four of them equal relationship. That's not sustainable to me, I don't think. I'm very tired. <laughs> was that hard for you to come to grasp with that you aren't polyamorous anymore because you had been so publicly polyamorous? Huge. Absolutely. Huge. I, I – and I still – I mean it's not like I went from polyamorous to monogamous. It's not a huge – I don't want to toot my own horn. It's not like a <laughs> huge change. Um, but yeah, it was it, – it, it is – uh, I'm sad if like I, I don't represent people anymore. I'm really sorry about that. Um, you know, I feel the same way about like bisexuality sometimes where like I have days where I'll be like, I'm just gay. And then I'm like, well, part of what I'm like, well, I can't because I've been so publicly bisexual. I don't think I can just be gay. It's also not true, but I do grapple with it. But that's what gets into the whole thing. There's no can't. I know. Like you, you know, you can be whatever you want. And also how you describe yourself to yourself, it, it can be extremely private. Yeah, but then it's the stereotype of like, oh, of course she like was bi and then ended up being a lesbian. But again, that's like, who gives a fuck? I know. Who cares if somebody bad says example, that about you? Bi now, gay later, whatever. You know, <laughs> that whole stereotype. I just think that like what the most important relationship you have is with yourself. Yeah. And so figuring out like what that truth is and not trying to like force yourself into an older version of you. 
Because you're going to change all the time. Yeah. I used to identify so strongly as a vegetarian. Yeah. I was a vegetarian 8 to 21. And I was so proud of that. And that was such a part of my identity. And then when I started eating birds and fish, I was like, well, I'm a piece of shit now. Yeah. Like, how can I say that I love animals? How can I be an animal lover and activist if I'm eating meat? I, I've lost I've lost one of my favorite parts of myself. Yeah. And so I've really had to, like, come to terms with that. And I – But you were getting sick. No, I just was, like – I was a bad vegetarian. I didn't eat healthy. And so right. I, I wasn't getting enough protein, which is why I stopped. Um because I'm such a picky eater. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll go through phases where like I'll hear someone talk about something and I'll be like, I'm a vegetarian again. And then I'm like, you know, three weeks later eating chicken and then I'm like, I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, and so that's been like, on a, I know it's like silly, but that's been like one of the biggest identity shifts I've had. And No, it's very political for people. It's not yeah. silly. And it was like something I was really proud of in myself. Mm-hmm. And now I don't have that anymore. But I've had to like realize that like look to other parts of me Mm -hmm. to be proud of and to champion. And, you know, it's always kind of a a goal for me to return to that if I, you know, am one day rich enough to have a a chef or like (laughs) get a, you know, get a nutritionist or somehow my my food palate expands and I can... You somehow become less picky. Yeah, then that would be amazing. But that, I think, really was hard for me. Yeah. Because there's so much judgment on yourself about everything about yourself. I mean, listen to us talking right now. There's so much judgment. I think a big change for me is that I was always, like, unhappy. Oh, you were the sad girl. Yeah, I was, like, the sad, mentally ill girl. Yeah. And so it's been very different to now, like, be happy. (laughs) Yeah. And and for the most part, mentally stable. Yeah, well, you've talked about how your tweets have changed because your jokes were self-deprecating and now they're not anymore. Yeah. And I don't, you know, and it's like a, a different way to interact with the world where I'm not like constantly like putting myself down for like humor purposes. Yeah. And being like uh, the girl who makes her depression funny. And this is so silly, but like I write a lot about OCD and I talk a lot about anxiety and I, you know, and I've honestly, it's like kind of become a large part of my career. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, I'm not even sick enough to talk about this. Do I even have OCD? Do I even have anxiety? You know that part of OCD is like questioning your OCD, right? Yeah, but like I'm just saying that like that's how insane this whole self-identity gets where I'm like, well, I don't even have, en- I don't even have bad enough OCD to like to say I have OCD. <laughs> you asking me 40 times in a row if you even have OCD is OCD. I'm really sorry to break that to you. <laughs> but that's also like um, – you being self-aware about not wanting to be the public face of something that's so diverse. Yeah, and, and not wanting to, like, monetize something I might not even suffer from anymore. You, If I'm me. suffering, believe me, I'm going to monetize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I was a person who presented myself as very sexual. Mm-hmm. And I still am, but it's I— It's different now. It's different. I, I still am, but I— and I still kind of flirt and quip and like, you know. But I don't think that – I think that you used to lead with your sexuality and I don't think that you do that anymore. It's much more muted. Yeah. yeah it's much more muted. I don't – I don't – I mean I'm still very forward. Like I just like landed someone by kicking in their door and being like want to make out. Like I'm not like not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not – that's not like the number two thing about me. Yeah. And I don't think that it's how you interact with everyone every anymore. I realized I was very uncomfortable and I realized this like in a writer's room that I was in. But like there was like someone in that room and it was a guy, cis guy. And I was like, oh, I'm I uh, I think they're so funny. I want to make them like me. I should have sex with them. That was the three thoughts in a row. Really? And then I was like. No, you just think he's funny. <laughs> like you just you know what you could do. Be his friend. Right. Get coffee with him. That's totally different for you, though. Which is like, yeah. And I was like, I was, and I realized that I was like using being cool and sexy to like, to like get respect from specifically dudes. And I think you also weren't aware that someone could like you without wanting to sleep with you. So yeah. If someone I mean, showed- look, they can want to, but I don't have to do it. No, but like you, you would interpret any sort of affection or attention as sexual. Yeah. That that also meant that there was also a sexual component to it. Yeah. Where there's not always. Sometimes people just want to be your friend. And also, I don't have to 
just because someone wants to have sex with me doesn't mean I have to do it. Absolutely. But that was huge. You always felt like if they wanted to, you had to? Uh, I mean, like, yeah, like I would be like, oh, they're sort of flirting and like I'm flirty. So I don't know. I guess I always felt like there's got to be an end game to this. It can't just be like flirting. Right. Which like now it can. Oh, my God. I love to just be like, good night. <laughs> wow. It's so like. Uh, but then I got worried that people would, like, talk to each other and be like, she's not even, like, out fucking anymore. <laughs> wow, you really care about what other people think. Yeah. It, well, I'm over. I'm getting over it now. But I was joking with, with um, my friend where I was just like, yeah, I, like, had, I haven't, since my breakup, I, like, ha- had not been having that much hookups. And I was like, and I was like, I'm going to go to a workshop and just be like, is it true if you don't use it, you lose it? <laughs> like, that's really what I thought. Well, I think you used to use sex as a coping mechanism, and you don't do that anymore. Uh, I'm having a, a a a shift of, like, from being alone forever to potentially not being alone forever. Hey! You know? You identified as, like, single sad girl. Yeah, also. A lot of sadness I used to identify Yeah, with. a real sad brand. A lot of, like, yeah, that, like, oh, I would never, I would never have a normal life, I think. I never thought that I would get to have be married and have children. That seemed, like out of out of reach for me and yeah. so I would I could strive for it or I'm crazy girl I'm single crazy girl yeah and yeah. like even when I was in relationships it was like a part I'm of crazy yeah like part of me was like this isn't I would say oh we're gonna get married oh it's gonna work out but I would know it wasn't going to yeah did you know that I knew that or what did I fool you <sighs> um I think I was a little bit fooled but I also knew that you knew they weren't right for you but you were just like I thought I was, like, worried because I, I knew that you would know they weren't right for you, but I thought you would just go through with a wedding anyway mm. if they pushed. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> but now I'm sort of like, oh, I might, I might, have, uh, I might have that. I might, and I, I'm sorry for using the term normal. There's nothing – there's no such thing as normal. No, uh, traditional. I mean traditional. Thank you. Yes. And I understand because you – I think you kind of um, – I don't know. You just kind of were like I identified as the the person who like everyone leaves me because I'm crazy. Yeah, or just that like it ends in tragedy. Yeah, and that it's like it doesn't like I'm never I'm never gonna get that ring on my finger. Like it all felt very at, comedic like, or something. Yeah, or like that it was just I was living in in like a farce. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's what it felt like. And then and then or like a rom com or something. But then now I feel like you're. Um, you're like calmer and so you're not just stirring up drama in the relationship because that's what you do because right. that's how you think of yourself and i feel more secure in myself so i don't need to constantly like question the relationship yeah and uh but it is it is very different to walk through the world single even if like you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or partner but you're not married and you don't live with them Mm. like you're still single yes on the census on you know and then to walk through the world with another person Mm, mm -hmm. and so like obviously i'm not engaged or married but like i can see that more close like closer in my future and so to like the shift of like oh my money might not just be my money oh interesting like i need to start saving for like a life with someone and like planning that and like okay so, like, take like t- clearing clothes out of my closet to be like, is there room here for another person's clothes? Yeah, like all of that is like, and like, okay, so, and then, and then, because you're solitary in your apartment, and even like roommates, like I view myself as very solitary too. Yeah, and like, and like sharing a life with someone and having to be like, will I be okay coming home every day and having someone else be there? <laughs> Yes, you have to super adjust. It's a huge adjustment. You have to then see yourself as— Especially if you live alone. Yes, and so you have to see yourself as, like, part of a twosome. Because I very much feel like, oh, I'm someone who likes— as much as I'm like, I want to get married. I like I like to be alone. I like to have my own space. I like to, like, be able to escape to my own space and and control it. Well, don't live with him then. (laughs) Okay, but, like, I I think ultimately I want— I want to live with him more than I want to control my own space. Got but it. there's still an adjustment to that. For yes. it to be a healthy relationship, there has to be changes. Well, because then what happens when you now identify as, like, married lady? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, what if that happens in the next couple years? Right. That's going to be a huge shift. Can we still be friends? I, I have to check my date book and no! ask my husband. No, come on. <laughs> that's not nice. <laughs> 
You have to check your date book. Yeah, and ask my husband. That'll be my new response to everything. Sorry, I have to ask my husband as I am married. See uh. this ring? <laughs> what about when you're engaged? Can we still be friends? Yeah, of course. My other big change is I no longer feel like I have to be in the entertainment industry. Oh, yes. I, but also, like, I've always identified as my job. I've identified uh-huh. as journalist so hard. Then I identify as, like, you know, entertainment person mm-hmm. so hard. That's not part of your identity. I think it's a part of your identity, but it shouldn't be your full identity. Yes, absolutely. And I think that for a long time, it probably was too much of our identities. Yes, it was everything. I, Me being a journalist was, like, everything in my life. Mm-hmm. My whole deal was being a journalist. Mm-hmm. And, and I like, stopped being a journalist yes. years ago. <laughs> it's very liberating for me to to realize that there are other paths in my life that I could be happy in. Yeah, that I don't have to like become a famous showrunner and to be feel to feel satisfied and and like fulfilled. Yes, that like you could have a different that you could have a different job. Well, I feel like a lot of our listeners probably who are like lawyers or doctors. That's like all they think of themselves as. I bet. Oh, I hope not. But, like, I feel like high-stress jobs or, like, like hot jobs where you have a lot of responsibility, you really, like, think of yourself as that. Other things I identify as? Daughter. Yeah. Uh, friend. Middle child. I'm so into my middle child identity. Really? Yeah, because I think it explains a lot. Mm, maybe. Also, hardcore identify as a Gemini. <laughs> I identify as a feminist. Yeah. Uh, I also was someone who would never wear sneakers. Yeah. Like, I was so hyper afraid of appearing masculine in any way. I remember that. And I would always over, I would always like dress up and overdress. Really feminine. I remember that. And now I'm much more comfortable like being more casual and like wearing sneakers and just like t shirts. And so, honestly, like the way that I, um, the way that I dress has changed a lot. And I think part of that is becoming more confident in my self identity. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, not feeling the need to like be displaying a certain type of person. Oh, I mean, I've toned myself down a lot. Mm-hmm. I used to dress like I got to look like the wackiest person ever. <laughs> okay, well, now let's bring Melissa in to identify us as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give us a rating. So, Melissa, you haven't you haven't known us that long, but no. do, you, do those identifiers sound right to you? They sound right to me. I used to stalk you guys on. What? Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> That's See, part of the job working in the industry. Like, I... Oh, okay. look at it wasn't, everybody's YouTube, so. Yeah, yeah it wasn't because you, you enjoyed it. No, I did, no, I did enjoy it. Like, I watched you guys for, like, a really long time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you feel like we've changed? Um, yes. Yeah, Great. I do. Perfect. But I think change I, is part of everyone growing and getting older and learning mm-hmm. things and adjusting, so everybody changes. Yeah, I think it's bad if you don't change. Yeah. How do you identify? As a badass. Love okay. it. Um, great, great, great. Yeah. A woman, a black woman, um, hard worker, um, sarcastic. True, yeah. True Aquarius would be. Hell yeah. yeah. I forgot yeah. woman. Ooh, I feel ooh, like ooh. I I feel like a woman is a big yeah. part of how I identify. Not for me. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. there, but it's not like huge. I just, uh, I think in the way that I, um, I, I dislike men. <laughs> or like in the way that male energy often makes me uncomfortable. I don't feel that way about that's, female energy. Yes. Well, that's, I think, a common experience for women. Yes. Nerves. Nerves about that. Yeah. What was every, what, what would you rate the episode? I'm going to give it 4.99 airplanes. Oh. I like how my, often there's a 4.9 situation. Yeah. Because she doesn't want us to get compliant. Com- she complacent. Doesn't want, she doesn't want to get complacent. Yeah, yeah we're, we're working for it, which yeah. I appreciate. We got to we'll see when One we day get to we'll perfection. get that five. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> damn. Uh, I love learning more about diabetes one. Oh. I feel like that it's such a common illness and I knew so little about it. Chronic illness is chronic illness is probably so huge in our audience that I I'm so gl- grateful that we got to talk to Dave about it. And he and he's so knowledgeable about it and also the idea of how important it is to find a community for that. By the way, if you have a chronic illness and you're listening, there's so many online resources and so many online communities for people with chronic illness. Um there's I know they some of them refer to themselves as spoonies. You can look for them there. Stevie Bobby does a lot of great stuff about EDS. Also, Annie Sagara does a lot of great stuff about EDS. Um, there's tons of YouTubers who talk about chronic illness. So, like, get in there. Get in there. I rate it um, 10 out of 10 um, insulin pumps. 
I think they should be made more available. I hate that the prices on them I are know. being jacked up on yeah. insulin. Uh, that's fucked up. If you don't know about that, look into it because it's fucked up. Agreed. Yeah, that's, a lot of medications. It's really horrible. Terrible. But yeah. insulin is like running out. It's like really, really bad. Read yeah. it. Read about it. It's terrible. Uh, and on that fun note, what's everyone's funniest part of the episode? <laughs> um, I, I again hypotheticals. Wow, I really love it. Um, I love. I also laugh a lot. I mean, I know it's not funny, and I'm sorry, but you saying asking me a hundred times if you have OCD. <laughs> that it. I mean, come on. Whatever. That is classic. Maybe I'm just doing it to make it seem like I have OCD. You're driving me out of my like. You're making me crazy. Like I, it's like the the the. It's just so classically great, and I and I, you can see what you're doing, right? You know. I don't. I don't know anything. Oh my god! I live in a sitcom. (laughs) You're a cartoon, Allison. Well, thank you so much to Dave Holmes for being a guest. Just between us, it was by me, Alice Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our theme music. Our producers are Kristen Torres and Melissa D. Motz. Our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. Stitcher. The mob, the mafia, the syndicate, the family. Once you're in, you're in, you can't get out. What we know about the mafia, it's all about the guys. But there's another side of the mob in the 20th century, and it's just as dangerous, but in a totally different way. Especially if you're a gay man, a drag queen, or a woman. We're talking about the underworld of New York City's very first drag clubs and the woman. That's right. A woman who ran them. A woman named Anna Genovese. Anna was the goddess. She's a tough old bird. Who was this mob queen with the insight and ability to write her own ticket in a man's world? That's what we want to know. Who is Anna Genovese? Mob Queens is out now. You can listen on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.